Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Ken Weeb to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Not great win over the Ducks and the fact that Paul Maurice is coming back with the Panthers on Tuesday. And then we'll talk to Elm Creek's Kareen Schroeder, named the PHF Player of the Month in her first month of pro women's hockey. That's all coming up on the podcast. Now, I've talked a bit about the PHF or the Premier Hockey Federation on the show before, but in case you're unfamiliar with the league, it's the top pro women's league in North America for hockey. Used to be known as the National Women's Hockey League before rebranding a few years back. And there's been some ownership turmoil. There's been the disagreement with the PWHPA members that are fighting for a different pro league. But today we're going to celebrate a member of the PHF who hails from Elm Creek, Manitoba. And that's Kareen Schroeder. The 23-year-old goaltender has been named the PHF Player of the Month for November after going 5-0 and in her first five pro starts. It included three straight shutouts to launch her pro career. The pride currently in first place in the PHF. She leads every statistical category for goalies. Five wins, three shutouts, most minutes played, a 169 goals against average, and 953 save percentage. It's pretty good stuff. I caught up with Kareen a couple hours ago. And started by asking her about what this honor means to her. Uh, it's really incredible to um, have earned that in my first first month in the league. It's pretty pretty amazing um, to be, you know, honored is not not like you said it's the the top player, not just top goalie type of thing. Out of everyone, I had I guess the best performance throughout the month, and yeah, it was pretty awesome to uh, be recognized for that. What were your expectations going into your first season in the PHF? Um, yeah, I mean, I expected it to be, you know, a step up from college and university hockey, which it definitely was. And um, took a little, little bit of time to adjust, but um, I think... I've I've made that step up and it's it's pretty exciting hockey to to play and be a part of for sure. When you were nearing the end of your university career, was the PHF always at the top of your list of what you wanted to where you wanted to go after you were done? Um yeah, it was among the top. I, you know, had several options and I was just trying to weigh the pros and cons as um definitely a lot more options now for women's hockey and continuing to play. So I took those all into account and figured out what was best for me this, uh, this year. And how did you get into the PHF? Were you drafted? So did a team have your rights or were you a free agent? How did that work? Uh, yeah, this year they didn't have a, a draft. They just did free agency. So um, I just, you know, put my name in for that and, contacted a couple teams and figured out where I would fit best and, uh, you know, negotiated a contract. It being your first year in the season, were you expecting to get this much playing time? Um, I'm not sure I was expecting as much, but I did expect to, to play a good, good number of games. That's what I had kind of discussed with, um, my coach and that's what I was looking for coming into this league is somewhere where I could come in and make make a big difference and, and play a lot so yeah 
And in terms of being in Boston, you went to Boston University for four years. So what do you like about living and playing in that city? Um, it's, yeah, it's great to be back. And there's just so much about Boston. Like, it's a very, um, it's, it's a big city, but it's it still kind of feels small in some ways. Like, it's just very nice, but there's still lots to do. Um, and, yeah, of course, I've got... A lot of a lot of friends and um, you know people I know around Boston because of my uh, BU days. So it's it's nice to to have those connections around. Oh, to be fair to Boston, there's more to do there than there is in Elm Creek, is there not? <laughs> yes, much more than Elm Creek for sure. Tell me about growing up in Elm Creek and and what kind of hockey opportunities were there for you. Um, yeah, so I just started playing, um, out of, you know, the Elm Creek rink and in, in minor hockey with all the boys. So I think I stayed, stayed in Elm Creek up till about, uh, oh, I was probably 12 years old by the time I, you know, needed to look for, um, opportunities to play girls hockey. Uh, instead I still played a little with the boys, but, um, yeah, moved on to playing with the Carmen, uh, girls teams a little bit and, um, and then moved on to regional teams, uh, specifically Pemina Valley, um, before going to Belmoral Hall, um, for my last two years of high school. So, yeah. Did you always want to be a goaltender? What drew you to that position? Um, I think I was good at it. <laughs> that was my, my first uh, piece was that it was something I was fairly good at and I didn't mind the pucks being shot at me. I wasn't scared of them type of thing. So I just spent more and more time playing in nets because a lot of the other kids, you know, when you rotate through, they're like, no, I definitely don't like this type of thing. So, you know, it came down to me and maybe a couple others who kept rotating and just got better and better at it and just found that, you know, I really enjoyed the technical side of it and how different it is um, and how, yeah, I guess every little detail is something you can improve on and makes a big difference in your game. So, really enjoyed how complex the position was. And now in the PHF, how do you feel about where your hockey journey has taken you? Uh, it's incredible how far hockey has, has taken me, honestly. Um, when I was a lot younger, I never thought I'd get so far or have the opportunities that I have, but you know, making it to... Uh, where I am now and being a professional player it's it's really all paid off and it's incredible the opportunities that uh, there are in, in women's hockey now now there are not a lot of Canadians in the PHF it's it's more of an American league but you do have some Canadians on your team including a Winnipegger Kayla Friesen on the team uh, yeah. have you uh, bonded quickly with her over the your local ties yeah yeah we've uh connected well she played i believe at saint mary's too so um we were competitors for a little bit in winnipeg there um back in high school so 
yeah, definitely getting along well. And uh, it's nice to have that home, home uh, not hometown ties, but, you know, close enough, right? Manitoba ties, yeah. Manitoba ties, exactly. So uh, what are your goals for this season going in, and has your hot start changed them at all? Yeah, goals coming in were really just to uh, play consistently and, you know, do what I can to help help our team win, obviously. Uh, as a goalie, you can't always steal the game, but you can definitely keep them in, in the game and um, give us that opportunity to, to win as much as we can. What's a game day atmosphere like at a Boston Pride game? Uh, it's pretty exciting. There's quite a few fans. We tend to, you know, pack the pack the Saturday games for sure. Sunday maybe a few less, but um, it's always exciting. There's lots of uh, young fans around, but also fans of all ages that come to watch, and they're always excited, especially uh, after the game with the post game post-game autographs everyone's so excited and happy um to see us and talk with us as well most of the games as you mentioned on weekends what do you do during the week uh it's fairly similar to i guess college i'd say it's um you know you do you have your practices and you have your gym sessions um throughout the week uh, i i do a little bit of coaching as well and um a lot of my teammates, you know, they have their uh, other jobs or whatever they do to keep themselves busy. So, yeah. Do you get a chance to have uh, family and friends watch games? Yeah. Yeah, my uh, parents and grandpa and uncle came came down to Minneapolis when we were there just a, a little while ago um, to watch my games. And... Yeah, hopefully they'll make it out to Boston uh, a little bit later in the season. And I believe we're planning to come to Toronto as well when we travel out there. So, yeah, lots of opportunities for them to come and watch. Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Appreciate your time tonight coming on the show and have fun in the PHF. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That is Kareen Schroeder of the Boston Pride in the Premier Hockey Federation of Elm Creek, Manitoba, named the Player of the Month for the month of November. Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night are taking on the Florida Panthers, the return of Paul Maurice to Winnipeg as we welcome in Sportsnet's Ken Weeb. Ken, do you remember your reaction when we found out that Paul Maurice was stepping down as coach almost a year ago? Uh, evening, Christian. Yeah, certainly it was not an email I was expecting to have land in my inbox that morning. Uh, it was a bit of a mad scramble to get to the arena, I think, from what I recall. Uh, a little bit earlier than the normal morning skates that we're used to attending. Um, certainly was, uh, yeah, I was quite frankly shocked, not surprised, not just surprised. Uh, obviously he explained himself with the burnout and everything else, but uh, it was not something that I had on my bingo card last year, that's for sure. So coming into this game tomorrow, the Panthers coming off a pair of victories over the Canucks and over the Kraken. The fact that they're on the fifth and final leg of a Western road trip, the farthest trip they'll take all year. Do you think that helps the Jets tomorrow night? Well, what what will help the Jets uh, outside of being on notice after Rick Bonus's comments about the starts in the three previous games on this homestand 
uh, will be the fact that uh, Alexander Barkov, Anton Lindell, Patrick Hornquist, and Radko Gudis are all uh, unavailable for tomorrow's game. So uh, obviously the lineup is a little bit beaten up for those Panthers, but uh, I would say that the Jets were already going to be ready for the game. Uh, you, know, you know, there's going to be some emotion involved for some of the veteran players who were coached by Paul Maurice for a long time. Uh, I even heard, I think Nate Schmidt even said on the post-game show with Sarah the other day that even him, I mean, he wasn't coached for Paul Maurice for very long, but uh, there'll be an emotional element for sure. But uh, I think bigger picture, you know, the Jets have had, like I said, the poor starts is something that Rick Bonus obviously expressed serious frustration with. And I would imagine that the Jets players will be at their sharpest uh, coming out for that first period against the Panthers. What do you think it was yesterday that contributed to that poor start after what was a poor game against Columbus? Was it just a hangover from Friday night? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, just, I mean, the Jets haven't had a ton of, you know, poor showings. I would say, obviously, the Minnesota game was poor. The Columbus game was poor. You could argue that the L.A. game, uh, they managed to find a way, but they weren't very good in that game either. Obviously, they had to rely on Connor Hellebuck, but uh, just a bit flat. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I guess maybe some of the, you know, maybe they didn't respect their opponent enough, but even there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I didn't see a team that was lethargic, but I didn't see a team that was sharp either, so. Uh, early in the season, uh, people are, you know, everyone's trying to learn, just like Rick, Rick, <laughs> Rick Bonus said himself. The coaching staff's starting to learn. I mean, the media, we're going to learn. We're going to learn a lot about this team this month, Christian. Uh, I think we learned a fair amount in terms of their commitment to the structure. That structure was not there on Friday. I didn't think that they were as bad structurally against Anaheim. They just didn't really generate much offensively, and they just didn't have the same kind of legs or passion and emotion, and that was something that, uh, it sometimes can be hard to, uh, you know, drum up for a game against the team that's dead last in the NHL, but uh, that's no excuse. The Jets were not good enough. They need to be much better. Uh, they were fortunate to pull away with a victory. And, you know, again, <laughs> we've talked about standards a lot, and the Jets have talked about standards. And if you want to be one of those teams that competes for first place, uh, you aren't really allowing yourselves many chances to have bad showings. I mean, They've had two kind of bad showings in a row. I mean, I will say this. I mean, they did take over the game from a team that, you know, was tired from playing the day before and playing their third and four with travel. But uh, they'll need to be a lot better if they want to hang around the top of the central division. Uh, But, I mean, for the most part, they've been able to get up for games against good teams. And there's no doubt they're going to be up for a game against uh, their former coach. So what did we learn about the team yesterday? Oh, no, I think that we're just starting to learn. <laughs> this month, we're going to learn a lot about them. I don't think that we necessarily learned anything yesterday other than uh, they weren't good enough at the beginning and their grinders found a way to help pull the skilled players into the game and then the skilled players took care of the insurance. I mean, uh, I, I loved what we saw from Mikey Asimond. He's a guy who is reminding me, you know, Rick Bonus didn't want to compare him to Matthew Perot, uh, but the media members, we've been talking quite a lot about it and there are a lot of Matthew Perot characteristics. Uh, he's a guy who can play up and down the lineup, he can get energy on the fourth line, he can give you energy on the third line, and give you energy on the first two lines, depending on where he's being used. And, you know, with an obvious hole on that, uh, you know, line with Dubois and Connor, I think he's earned his earned his chance right there. So uh, we saw Adam Lowry have another good game. You saw Morgan Barron come up with a game-winning goal. But uh, I think the Jets need to dig in a little bit more. I mean, the Jets aren't going to go – the whole season or even half a season without a losing streak of some kind. Uh, they've done a nice job of kind of keeping their heads above water and, and, you know, pulling out 
tight games. They've had a lot of, you know, they're among the league leaders in, in victories from behind, you know, they they're six and one in overtime, but uh, they just need to be a little bit sharper and crisper when it comes to their 60 minute efforts that we haven't seen probably enough of those in the first 23 games, Christian. So looking at tomorrow's game against a, a Florida team that has had a really up and down season there, they've had some, some stretches where they couldn't finish. They've had some stretches where their goaltending was not great. The fact that the Paul Maurice is returning, does that impact the Jets players at all that played under him? Is that a factor in any way at all? Or is it just another game you think? Oh, I would think that there's going to be an emotional, uh, you know, piece to the puzzle there for sure. I'm sure there were, even though none of them said it publicly, I'm sure some of them were disappointed that Paul Maurice, uh, you know, resigned last year. I mean, some people probably were ready for a change, but others would have been disappointed. Uh, he had a lot of investment uh, in the team and the team had had a lot of investment in him. So uh, I, I would think there's a lot of guys, but I mean, for the most part, players aren't overly emotional. Uh, but I mean, we're seeing it tonight, you know, Bruce Cassidy's back in Boston with Vegas. I mean, we know that's going to be an emotional game for Bruce. Uh, players generally like to, you know, give a little extra, if you will. I mean, we heard it when the Jets were playing Dallas, you know, they well. Rick didn't make the first trip to Dallas, but the first game here, uh, you know, there were players that admitted that they were, you know, it was a little bit more special. They were trying to win one for their coach against his former team. And I'm sure Florida will have some of that element as well at play. Uh, And I'm sure that the Jets want to, you know, there'll be a piece of them that says, you know, we're doing just fine without you. Uh, And again, not trying to be flippant, but, um, you know, I think that will be part of it. But again, the Jets have a bigger picture goal in mind uh, I'm sure most players will dismiss it outright uh, and I would think that at some point I'll, it'll all come down to execution but I mean I think there'll be a little different buzz in the building for sure I mean Paul gave you know eight plus years to this organization I think he'll be well received um, you know there will be some people that won't be happy and there might be a few boos in there but uh, I would think for the most part people would remember that Paul Maurice was behind the bench of a team that had its greatest successes with him there. So uh, I would think there'll be a pretty warm reception. And after that's done, then they'll treat him like they treat all opposing players and coaches and and they'll want them to not succeed. So it'll be interesting for sure. What have you thought of the Shifley-Wheeler-Perfetti combination? Well, they were dynamite against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Didn't really have much cooking against Columbus. And then they had, a you know, Fairly sleepy-ish start against Anaheim, but, you know, produced a really impressive highlight real goal uh, for the fourth goal, I think, for the insurance marker. Um, you know, still work in progress. I mean, these guys haven't played a ton. You know, we know Mark and Blake have played together a lot, but Perfetti uh, is a guy who has great vision. I think he can really fit well with those guys. I think he'll, he loves talking hockey, just like Mark does. Uh, I see those guys having a good impact together, but in terms of the line itself, I think there'll be times where, you know, they don't have a natural shooter. I mean, and that's not a knock on any of those guys. All three of them can score, all of them can shoot. But I would think that, you know, in the grander scheme, they're all all pass-first players, even though Blake has scored 20 a lot of times and Mark has been at 20 to 30-plus a lot himself. Uh, I like the fact that Perfetti is looking for a shot a little bit more, but, I mean, that's natural for a young player to defer to veterans. Uh, I think that line has the potential to be very good. And like I said, I thought they were excellent against Colorado. Uh, I would expect them to be sharp tomorrow but you know like most lines they're a work in progress and I see some you know the potential for them to be uh, a very good line but again it's, it all comes down to uh, you know getting more they give up and that's something that you know when Mark and Blake have played together 
near the end, you know, in the last couple of years, that's something that hasn't always been there for them. But both of them are also very aware of that. And I think they're making strides to make sure that that's not an issue for them. As far as the wing position is concerned with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, we've seen a, a bunch of different players rotate in and out of there. We know Nikolai Ehlers is destined for that spot when he eventually comes back. But is there a, a specific player you think would fit best there right now? Well, I mean, I mentioned Asimont, you know, I think right now Asimont is the, you know, the best of the options uh, on a short-term basis. I, I don't think there is a, you know, long, long-term solution currently. Uh, you know, Morgan Barron had a few good shifts there, but I think Barron is probably better suited to play with Adam Lowry, and they had some success together uh, on that game winner as well. Sam Gagne can do it in short bursts, Christian. I just don't think that Sam at this stage of his career is a 20-minute-a-game player, so I, I don't see that as a long-term solution either. Uh, Asimon probably isn't ready for those kinds of minutes either, but he can provide some energy in that role. So uh, I also wouldn't be surprised at some point to see Cole Perfetti get a chance with them again. And obviously that line was together a little bit at last year at various times before Perfetti was hurt. But I mean, right now they want Perfetti playing on his strong side rather than the offside. But, uh, you know, Asimon has earned another look at that spot and, you know, how long he stays there is up to him. I mean, he's done a nice job to, you know, catapult himself over several players on the depth chart. But uh, when you're a player that is, still has fewer than 10 NHL games on your resume, that is a daily battle <laughs> to, uh, you know, remain in those types of scenarios. So uh, all to say, I think the competition is still fairly wide open, Christian. And, you know, I think it's Asimont's job right now, but uh, he has plenty of competition and it's all up to him in terms of how he handles it. But I think he's earned another look there for sure. And finally, what have you thought of uh, Dylan Sandberg? He scored his first career goal last night. What have you thought is, of his really, I think, making the commitment to being that number six guy at the very least? He seems like a full-time NHLer now, no? Yeah, he's certainly uh, you know solidifying his spot. I mean, I know a lot of people were up in arms. With, you know, It's just an accidental play. I mean, sometimes you try to drag the puck, it jumps over your stick. So uh, I, I like the way that he handled it. I like the way that he didn't get tentative after making a mistake. I like the way that the bench handled it as well, kind of tapping him on the back saying, hey, no problem, things happen. Uh, you know, he was in very good spirits. He made a joke about the uh, you know, velocity of that shot that Rick Bonus is asking him to use a little bit more. But in terms of his defending and his, you know, shot blocking and puck moving and uh, all of those things, I think that uh, I, I don't see Dylan Sandberg uh, going anywhere. We know, you know, Logan Stanley is getting closer to health, but right now it's Sandberg's job and, you know, it's going to take a, you know, a, a long stretch of poor play in order for him not to hang on to it. And, and I don't see that coming for him. I, I think that he's a guy who's been waiting for this opportunity and he's been healthy this year and he's done a fantastic job in the role that he's been asked to play. And I see him being able to provide a little bit more of a physical element, the more comfort that he feels at the NHL level as he continues to solidify his standing uh, among the defense score. But uh, I'm with you. I think he's played excellent in the last while. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind he's a full-time NHLer. And, and I think he's he's playing well enough to keep that job. And I can see his role uh, in being enhanced over the course of the season, given the skill set that he brings to the table. Ken, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. And we'll see you at the game tomorrow night. Yeah, thanks for having me, Christian. Enjoy the rest of the show, and uh, have a great evening. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. 
So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.